Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are back for another edition. It is time to talk about some truly abominable things happening at Tottenham Hotspur. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of podcast business to get to. First and foremost, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, make it five stars because we deserve it and not because we are sad boys who crave your validation. And also follow our Twitter account, WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Now, this week, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm wondering, do we put out any particular content on our Wheeler Dealer Radio podcast Twitter? Like, is it a thing that's worth following? Mostly we Not re- to undermine our own product here. Mostly we retweet former guest hosts when they put out good tweets, mostly uh, about... Wes Anderson casts, but I think that's basically the only other content. Uh, well, you guys can't miss that, so please, yeah, please tune in. Exactly. And uh, also joining us tonight from Miami with a Y, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing? I'm great. I am super happy to talk about all the betrayal that exists at Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, it is time to talk about this week a, a long-tenured Tottenham player, someone regarded by many fans as a legend uh, just tr- let us all down with some truly despicable behavior i am of course referring to delhi alley's new sleeve it is really in a world of regrettable football tattoos it is maybe the worst football tattoos i've ever seen it is uh, uh i don't know where to begin with this it is such a betrayal of everything he has given to tottenham hotspur uh, ben what 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 do you think is the worst part of Delhi's sleeve? Where where would you begin? I mean, it's hard to know where to begin. Like it's it's a sequence of tattoos that are all individually kind of like the youthful indiscretion that one might individually excuse. Like, oh, you got an Avengers tattoo because you were twenty two and you really liked Thor: Dark World for some reason. Like. Okay, you'll regret that later, but that's like a signpost at a moment in your life, and like that's a story you're telling to yourself and to everybody around you, and that's okay. But like, it's all that. It's just a whole bunch of random media properties he seems to have enjoyed, some of which have aged like sour milk. Uh, and uh, here in our Lord 2021, He has gotten a Why So Serious Heath Ledger Joker tattoo that has been out of date for at least a decade now. It's worth pointing out that I think it's just the text, right? It's not like a picture of Heath Ledger's face as the Joker. No, but it's what it's it's from. Well, I just want to point out, surely there, I, I would bet all the money in my wallet that there are footballers out there with like... Keith Ledger's face tattooed on some significant portion of their body. So at least it's and not again, that. If you got a Heath Ledger t- Joker tattoo at the time the Dark Knight came out, that would have been a bad decision. But now it would have been a decision. You look back on it and be like, yeah, I was really into the Dark Knight. I don't know what I'm going to say. This is 
you you have the benefit of hindsight, and you've still gotten in like the edgiest font you could find something that says "Why so serious" on your wrist. But see, I think you can uh, I like. Just, I think there's an even worse example of that if you're using those standards. Which is he has a Stewie Griffin Family Guy tattoo, which is. I mean, I guess it could have been worse. It could have been a Cartman tattoo or something. But it's like that's just everything that's bad about the Why So Serious tattoo. But even worse because it's a picture of Stewie from Family Guy in the year of our Lord, 2021. It's just lots of really, really bad decisions on display. And like, and we've seen, I can't remember the name of the footballer, but the guy who has like the Vikings of Peaky Blinders and Game of Thrones tattoo or whatever it is, like all across his back. Somehow this is worse than that. Athlete tattoos are just universally bad. I think yes. generally speaking, I mean, there's an NBA player that has like emojis tattooed on his neck. Um, so, you know, uh, this is kind of in that same vein. I think the thing that annoys me most about the sleeve is that it's not actually a sleeve. It's just like he has a bunch of tattoos on his arm and there's no like unification. There's no like respect for the negative space. And maybe he's going to get it filled in or something. But it looks real dumb right now. And there's like a hangman. And then he's got the uh, the Rick and Morty. I find Rick and Morty particularly That's pretty bad. That's pretty uh, bad. offensive personally, just on a personal level. But like, I, I just, if it was like a full sleeve of tattoos, like, and it was, I don't know, linked up in some way, or there was like some theme behind it or something. I guess regrettable I media have properties any is a about theme. it at all. Right. I think it's really, Brian, like, it's not like a composition of something. It's, it's, a bunch of random shit that looks like the accretion of many years of bad decisions, but it is mostly just one bad decision all done at the same time. Yeah. That that's really where it becomes unforgivable. Cause like if you had, you know, the Joker tattoo and then somewhere on a di- on another arm, you had the Stewie tattoo and then the Avengers was on like your chat, like, but he's got them all like lined up like an asshole. And it's just like, here, look, you can see the timeline of me being an asshole. But like you said, it's not really a timeline. It's just a, I got this done last week. It's like, it's the Pete Davidson of footballer tattoos. It's just a bunch of fucking trash garbage <laughs> junk. Those are all synonyms, but that's basically but what... Deli's not from Staten <laughs> Island, so what's his excuse? <laughs> right, he might as well be with that, with that arm. I don't know, what's, Bur- your, what's your least favorite? Is it the Stewie? Is that what, is that what sticks in your craw the, the worst? It's. I think the Stewie's the least. Yes, the Stewie's the worst one. It's like, what are you thinking? Like, it's just, like, it's out of date. It's ugly. I mean, uh, to be worse than the Rick and Morty tattoo, I think it's, like, that takes some work. But, like, when you combine, like, how ugly it is with, like, how it is in context, completely indefensible. It's 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 hard to beat for me. Brian, what's what's your least favorite tattoo on there? I mean, they all suck. I think it's the Rick and Morty one, personally. Um, but, like, I think it's that he just picked, like, weird um, American pop culture stuff. Like, like there's not a there's not like a British equivalent of any. Yeah, of this if he had stuff. Danger Mouse on there, he'd be he would have been on that Euros team. That's the... yeah, right. Like, well, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have like. I don't know, the two Ronnies or Monty Python or something. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, no, but the Rick and Morty one's really bad. I don't like Rick and Morty. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I think... Go ahead, Ben. Sorry, I didn't realize I we, were, like we a, weren't done with the tattoos. I think there's a sleeper bad one, which is the loser lover one, which is, uh, is apparently from It, which is like that's a that's a movie w- without like a constituency. Like, who is getting It tattoos? That's weird. And then just the substance of it is is terrible on its face, and nobody knows what it is. So all you're left with is this just terrible loser lover thing. I don't know, Deli. I have concerns. It could be worse. Imagine you could have gotten like Mourinho's. You could have gotten Mourinho's face tattooed on there or something. Mourinho as Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh. <laughs> I think that would have been good. I would have actually respected it then. I think. What What would we have to win for you to get that tattooed on your back, Brian? Like, <laughs> no, like your whole there's back. Nothing. There's nothing in the world that Spurs could. If Spurs won the Daytona 500, then yes, <laughs> I would get Jose Mourinho as Heath Ledger's Joker tattoo. I think honestly, the thing about tattoos is if the person who gets them enjoys them, that's really all that matters. My problem is really finding out that Delhi is the kind of person who gets these kinds of tattoos. That I think that more than anything is like the biggest betrayal. It's just finding out what a fucking lame dork <laughs> Delhi is. Yeah, I mean Greg and I don't really have any experience in this because we are not people that have tattoos. Well, we 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 entered into a bet and then the bet was not paid off. Ben just ignored that. So Ben, what? What is it like to get a regrettable tattoo? Look, I think Tottenham Hotspur are going to be good eventually again, and I won't regret this someday. <laughs> for now, for now, yes, it has coincided with a complete implosion of everything I know and love about this football team, but, you know, it might get better. Rick and Morty, Dark Knight, Family Guy, <laughs> that's not going to turn around. <laughs> I mean, getting the sash jersey tattooed on yourself doesn't seem like a great decision. No, I mean, uh, it's timeless. I don't know. That seems fine to me. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, Delhi was only the second biggest betrayal of the club to have this week. Now, um, no, Delhi's uh, awful tattoo was a nice distraction from the ongoing drama that is uh, Harry Kane. Uh, you know, you would think in another week we might talk about Son signing his extension or Romero signing with Spurs or something positive. But no, Harry Kane decided to skip out on training uh, for Monday. Well, he's still skipping out for training, of course, if you believe his agent. He was just getting back late from vacation, which is... Not much better. Uh, you know, Kane is, I think, clearly trying to force his move through the city. We've all seen the reports. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Brian, let's just start with how, what's your just sort of, how does this make you feel about Kane? I've seen a lot of people say that this is, you know, really tarnished his relationship with the fans. You know, it's really going to affect his relationship with the club. I mean, it might lead to him actually leaving the club. I mean, but what do you think? We're two days in, and he just hasn't reported for training yet this year. Clearly, trying to engineer a move away from Spurs. Well, I mean, I think as a person who generally is in favor of workers seizing power and leverage when they have it, and you know, striking 
uh, for their own benefit, I think it's great. Um, as a sports fan, I think he's an asshole. Um, so it's a hard line I have to walk on this. Um, but, you know, look, it's um, it's tough because I don't really think this is going to change his situation with Spurs and the transfer. And I don't really think it's going to change his legacy at the club. I mean, we had Modric kind of threw a fit and about a gentleman's agreement with Chelsea. And then he came back and he played, you know, the best football he'd ever played for us. And we sold him the next year. And, you know, Bale, the season before he left, there was talks about him going and he didn't go. And, you know, we we don't remember that sort of stuff. And and so, you know, as far as Kane's legacy, if he leaves for City, that will just be his legacy, that he left for City and that he did that. I don't think in, you know, four or five years we will care about the manner in which he left. And if he doesn't leave, we won't care because this will just be, you know, another thing that happened. And then he went on to score 150 more goals and break all the records and, you know, maybe eventually win a Carabao Cup. <laughs> the, the Carabao Cup, I think, is going to be a thing that seals his legacy for us. Um, yeah, and, you know, this has been mentioned, I think, ad nauseum, but, you know, Steven Gerrard is a great comparison of a guy who almost moved to Chelsea in the mid-2000s at the height of their spending, and... Yeah, that was a really bad moment for his legacy at Liverpool and for the way Liverpool fans thought about him. But he ended up not going, and he ended up staying, and nobody mentions that as part of his legacy. Nobody cares. He is a Liverpool guy through and through, and that's it. Um, you know, probably helps that he had won things <laughs> there, um, unlike Kane. But the fact that he thought about leaving and was maybe a dick about it for a minute it doesn't change the calculus. And I think this season, maybe if he stays a little rocky, but if he stays beyond that and forever, no one's going to care that he tried to go to Man City for a week. But um, in the moment, I think fuck Harry Kane, fuck Charlie Kane, and fuck Man City. Um, I, I don't know. I, I am so annoyed with the behavior that I would like him to go, honestly. But I just think, like, the behavior also doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure we could talk about Charlie Kane and whatever advisement Kane is receiving. But, like, we're talking about Daniel Levy. And I do think Daniel Levy cares about him not showing up to train. Oh, I think he cares. I don't think it's going to get the desired effect, but I think he cares. Right. Yeah, if he cares, it has it has only the effect of strengthening Levy's resolve rather than, you know, being like, oh, well... Now we're going to have to sell him for less than I wanted. Like, that's not what's going to happen here. No, honestly, I think to the extent Levy cares, he's like, this is great. Because now if I sell Harry Kane, people aren't going to be mad at me for doing it. People are going to be mad at Harry Kane for wanting to leave. And that puts Daniel Levy in a fantastic position. Because before, if he was flogging our homegrown talisman to Man City, no matter what the circumstances, people are going to be pissed at Daniel Levy. Because people are always pissed at Daniel Levy, especially lately. But now... He's really handed him all the PR cards. Yeah, in look the at world this. Look at this ungrateful mercenary who doesn't care. What, you know, doesn't care that he's one of your own. You know, he just wants to go chase glory at some 
the, you know, like club that was founded 10 years ago up north, you know. It, you're right. He's right. making the argument for him in a lot of ways. Right. Now, if he sells him, he's going to say, you know, we wanted to keep him, we fought to keep him, but when a guy like that wants to leave and refuses to show up at training, what can I do? I got the best deal I could get for him. And everybody is going to accept that. You know, as long as like, they're not going to it's, it's going to no go down a lot people. smoother. It's going to go down a lot smoother than it otherwise would. I mean, I think, right. I mean, getting back to the legacy talk for a second, like, you're right. If he sticks at Spurs, if, he can't move this window, and by next window, all the sort of, you know, he's just left out on the game of musical chairs and just realizes, well, I'm staying at Spurs for the rest of my career, or most of it. You know, this will be forgotten, especially if he kicks on and just knuckles down. But there is a level, at least as a Spurs fan, that I have, like, you know, I don't think I've ever felt Kane is entirely bought into, like, like, I think Spurs fans have a very special relationship with Harry Kane. I don't know if Harry Kane has a very special relationship with Spurs fans. Because I've always felt like, you know, so I grew up in American sports. There was a star on the team I rooted for in baseball named Cal Ripken, who was this very beloved player, especially among kids. And there was always a bit of a remove there. And I've always gotten the same sense for Kane. Like, he goes through a lot of the motions, and some of that's to be commendable. But he's never fully embraced, like, that sort of connection that I think he does have with the fans, which I've always thought is, you know... At least after all this nonsense started, I, I've always thought I, I thought it's a little sad, and you know, it, I it can't help but all feel a bit cynical to me. Like you know, like he's taking that lap around the stadium in that last home game last year, and it's so emotional for him. But now he wants to leave. Like it's just like, does it matter to you or not? And it's right, if it was emotional, you wouldn't be leaving. Exactly. Well, it's not that you wouldn't be leaving, but it's like you're, you've got three years left on your contract, and you're trying to get out of here. And if we are to believe what we've been told, he had a gentleman's agreement and has wanted to get out of Spurs for a while. So you signed a six-year contract and you wanted to leave after a year? Like, okay. Like, uh, Brian talked about, like, sort of, you know, generally, and I think we're all on this page, you know, we want workers to maximize their value and we understand, especially footballers. But, like, you know, footballers have short careers, but, like, Harry Kane is not on a pittance. And as a fan of the club, it's aggravating because whatever Harry Kane does and doesn't deserve to, like, maximize his value and get the most out of his career, like, I think he owes Spurs fans something. You know, whether, even if it's just, like, a way you comport yourself. And even think about, like, Gareth Bale's exit from the club. Gareth Bale, who a guy who had a lot less of a connection with Spurs fans than Harry Kane does. But, like, all the nonsense with, with Bale was very behind the scenes. You wouldn't really have known a lot about it if you were just a casual fan of the club. You know, you really had to be kind of plugged in and following the club every day to know that any drama was taking place. And frankly, you know, I don't think we were privy to a lot of it. No, I think during the Bale saga, we generally believed Bale was going to stay. Yeah. You know, and that's very different than the situation we're in now. Bale was on out there saying, I want to leave. And we were just being stupid about it. Like, we thought, yeah, Real Madrid wanted him, but... I mean, is they can it? Want all they want. Ben, I'm curious because you're you're I think by far the most left wing person on this podcast, and you know, workers' rights and all. That. I mean, how do you feel about like Kane trying to like, get a better situation for himself? I mean, just from that perspective, like where what is? I'm just curious as to your take, given where you sit on the political spectrum. Yeah, I mean, like you know, I, I think it's it's not really a, a political issue when it comes to an individual athlete trying to maximize their particular contract. It is not like. This is some like collective bargaining agreement 
we're all working for for like league league minimums to ensure that revenue is shared equally you know between the players or that he's trying to break the bosman or something like like right exactly like he's not doing anything that will benefit anybody but harry kane so i don't really think it's a labor issue um you know that framing is is i think you know maybe convenient for harry kane to sell but Noted, noted Marxist, Kane. noted Marxist Harry Kane. <laughs> right, the captain of the Marxist England football um, team, you know. If anything, he should be staying and demanding not higher wages for himself, but for Levy to match his salary across the team. So everybody... <laughs> Dane Scarlett needs to be making $200,000 a week. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is Harry Kane is the highest paid player at this club and will continue to be the highest paid player at this club as long as he is here. And his desire for maximizing his wages as a worker is just a real non-issue in this analysis. And it's just I mean, what, what sort of gets my goat about, I mean, other than like as a Spurs fan who has felt disrespected is like, you know, it is. Harry Kane has something a lot of players don't have, and I've banged on about this a lot on this podcast, and he has been so careless with it, especially doing something like this, I think is a real tragedy, both not just for Spurs fans, but in football in general. It's it's really sad to see a player who has something that not a lot of players get in their entire career just sort of just casually toss it away. And I get, I understand Spurs are not in the same place they were when he signed that contract. We are not as good a club as we were. I I understand if Harry Kane is frustrated and disappointed, but you know, you look back at like that timeline I was just talking about. I mean, he got disappointed real fast after signing a big fat extension. I mean, you know, he's not hunkering down in there and trying to come up with solutions. He's, you know, by all accounts, he wanted to jump ship at the first sign of trouble, which is something that I find a little aggravating right after you signed a six year contract for, from a captain, no less. Like, I mean, he's supposed to be a leader. Well, that's the thing is, like, he's a, he's a leader on this team, and he is someone who consistently gets lauded, you know, everywhere in the media by us on this podcast for his professionalism, for his work ethic, um, and, and this just runs kind of so counter to that, you know, like... You don't get to be the you know the most professional player on the pitch, and then uh, and then not show up to practice because you're too good for it, or because you want to move and you don't like the new coach, or you don't like what Daniel Levy said to you, or whatever the case is. Like uh, that's that's not how it works, and, and that's not that's not what leadership is. And I, I don't know what the effect on you know him his position with spurs within the dressing room will be like if he does return like if any of the players will care i i imagine largely they will not um that this is something that we as fans will care more about um but it, it's just frustrating like you know like i said he's he's a leader he has this reputation and then this sort of behavior the gary neville interview like all this stuff that we've dealt with from him over the last few months are just like frustrating like he's taking a stand to benefit himself and he's never taken a public stand on basically anything else and the so the only thing he will come out in favor of is me and getting my move to city it's frustrating 
Wow, I didn't know he was advocating for you to transfer, Brian. But well, yeah, I mean, I'm also I, once you're in a package moves, deal. Be... Ben, it yeah, is city I'll... with a Y. Yeah, and so I'll have a new city pod. It'll be city with a Y. And yeah, it'll be great. Wow, I mean, that's 150 million easy. I think. Easy, for you. easy. Yeah, yeah. I think the other part of Harry Kane's story is in the last couple of years we have done a lot to accommodate Harry Kane, and it has been at the expense of the football club. You know, and we've talked about this a lot, but Harry Kane was the last man standing in Jose Mourinho's corner. Um, and a large part of the reason the club is in the state that it is, is we spent the last two years under Jose Mourinho, and it was terrible. Well, and, and I think... For you... Harry Kane's benefit, and because Harry Kane refused to quit on him. So for him to now quit on us now, that we have moved on and are trying to like transition to a, a better situation for the team, again, go fuck yourself. Just go fuck yourself. And, you know, Harry Kane, I mean, don't kid yourself. Daniel Levy might have loved Jose Mourinho and had him on his, like, vision board. But, like, Harry Kane's a big reason why we hired Jose Mourinho. I mean, it was like when we fired Pochettino, we were looking to hire someone to keep people happy. And Harry Kane was number one on that list with a bullet. So, it's you're right, Ben. It's like we've done so much to accommodate him. I mean, I don't know how much he owes us. You know, I don't want to go down that road. But, like, it's just... You know, we've done so much to accommodate him and sort of build ourselves around him. And to see him just, you know, it's like, it's not even like, you know, it's, I think if this was next year, I might even stomach it a little better because at least then his contract's kind of almost out. But we know he's been trying to engineer a move out now, or at least if you read between the lines of press coverage, like when he had four years left on his deal, now three. And there's just a level at which I, I, it feels disrespectful to me. Yeah, it is disrespectful. Uh, and I'm like you. I, I don't. I don't want to go down a road of he owes us as fans anything. But you know, for someone that has benefited so much from the, um, you know, by by being you know a, an academy player, by being one of our own. Who I think you've said this before, Greg. You know, kind of cloaked himself in sort of the one of our own thing to be like, yeah. I mean. One of yours for a little bit, but not anymore. Like that, that does, just doesn't sit well with me. And so, to to me, you have an obligation to, I don't know, not give an interview with Gary Neville where you're like, "I'm out of here. I want to go win stuff." Certainly not or, with two games left in the season where you still have European qualification on the table. That that's what... right. And, and 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 you know, you have an obligation to show up at training. And even if you show up and you're like, "Hey, man, uh, I'm not going to be doing any of the." like team stuff like i'm here to get fit and you know i'll take your bleep test and you know whatever uh but you know i'm not i'm not getting involved in all that but i'm here you you know like show up so you don't get fined at least like i i don't know yeah i think the manner of conduct is definitely a huge component of i think everybody's feelings right now um, you can be a professional about this and still want to leave. And I agree. Like he doesn't owe us loyalty. I think that's a nonsense concept. I don't think he has any obligation to stay at Spurs forever. I think we as fans want him to love Spurs as much as we do. We want him to feel that Spurs is good enough for him and that this is enough of a, a challenge, enough of a 
you know, ambition in sports for him to dedicate his career to. Like, we all want to believe that. Um, you know, I think the last couple of years have really shown that it's it's not the kind of club that a player of his caliber um, should be playing at, frankly. You know, I think if we had been the Mauricio Pochettino team, I think Harry Kane probably would have stayed if we were a regular top four competitor making runs in the Champions League, doing our best to challenge for cups and titles and whatever. I think that might have been enough of a, a sporting ambition for him to feel satisfied. Uh, I don't know that, but, you know, over the past two years, we have gone from being that team to a team that finishes eighth and is very dysfunctional and loses a lot of games and, you know, you have a limited career and there's no reason to stick it out at a situation that is professionally unpleasant and sporting un unsatisfactory. Um, so I, I get all of that. I get him saying those things for those years when it might have been true for Harry Kane to say, yeah, I want to be at Spurs forever. And I get that that may change given how things go on the pitch and behind the scenes. Um, but at the same time, we are all Spurs fans, and we expect, I think, a level of respect to to this institution that we all care about so deeply, and that has given Harry Kane so much. And the fact that he has not shown anything resembling respect or even regard for for this club uh, is just where I just I just can't accept what's happening right now. Like that's where I say, "Fuck you, Harry." Yeah, I'm I'm very much in the. I mean, I'm, you know, I was this way with ABB to a different way, but I'm very much the jilted X right now. Where on the one hand, fuck you, I like I hate you, Harry, go away. But also, I don't want you to leave either because, and I don't know if that's out of spite or out of like I want it to be better again. It's just, I want him to leave out of spite. I'll yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm very close to being there. I I mean, at the end of the day, I would like this to end with, you know. Like, ideally, Harry gives us, like, five more productive years because the, the game of musical chairs just means he really can't leave. So he's just like, all right, whatever, I'll make a lot of money here. Um, you know, and it's like Gerard, and we all get over it, and, you know, we're happy with how it ends. But it's just, it's 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 a little hard to stomach this. And, you know, especially reading some of the reporting over the last few days that he was kind of looking to get out last summer before City fell in love with Lionel Messi for a few weeks. You know, which... I think it's one thing to be really fed up if you're Harry Kane after last season. You were, I mean, fed up with Spurs before last season. And that's from someone who was like, like Jose Mourinho, as opposed to us who were all like, we are playing out the string and don't trust the Mourinho thing to end well. You know, there's a level of like, I mean, he was ready. To, you sign a six-year contract and you're ready to bang. I know I'm banging on about this, but there's something really disrespectful about that. You know, if you were on like a two or three year deal, that's one thing, but you know, you're a guy who's been in this club since you're 10, you find it within yourself to sign a very long term extension and you just want to get the fuck out of here. As soon as things start going wrong, it's, I don't know, like that, that's really demoralizing for me. I mean, I don't care about the six year extension contract terms are largely meaningless. I think it's phenomenally stupid that he signed a six-year extension without we'll get a to that release in a clause. Second. Like that part is like it's stupid. I don't find the length of contract a component in his betrayal. You know, the fact that he wanted to leave last season 
is annoying because he was really bad until this this year that just happened. And like, who do you think you are that you deserve to go to Man City? It's a different story. I, I just I think a lot of it comes down to like kind of the stories we want to tell ourselves about who we are and where he's going. You know, when when Modric and Bale left for Real Madrid, at some point you kind of have to throw your hands up and say, look, we just qualified for the Champions League for the first time. This is Real Madrid. What are you going to do? And I, yeah, Man City or Man City, and they have all the money in the world, and they're, you know, slowly turning into the Bayern or Real of the Premier League. Or they're, still Man, or whatever. they're still Man City. They're still Man City. They're still, like, until the last year or two, they haven't been that far off from us. And, you know, I think that is part of it that I think makes it a little just tougher to swallow. Yeah, we'd have to see him twice a year, not to mention on all the highlight right. reels of the Premier right. League. He's going to be around. He's going to be around. He's still going to be a regular story on Sky Sports and Match of the Day. And we're going to fucking have to hear about Harry Kane. We're going to see him maybe break Shearer's record at another club. Like, well, and it's, it's going to be annoying. If he's at Real Madrid, like, beating up on Celta Vigo every other week, like, oh, fine, great. Like, you can sort of, like, root for him. But, like, yeah, you're not going to do that if he's a city. Yeah, not yep. at all. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, and now there's kind of the component of maybe Chelsea also are interested in him, too, which I find even less palatable, also less likely. Um, because I don't think there's any way Daniel Levy sells a Chelsea. But um, if he Certainly were to not move Harry there, Kane. I would. Yeah. Here's what I, I actually, I would love to sell Harry Kane to Chelsea for a bunch of money and Tammy Abraham. And Harry Kane's ankles fall apart again. And Tammy Abraham turns out to be as good as I think he will be. And it all just goes very well for us and backfires spectacularly for Kane and Chelsea. That's and then ultimately Tammy Abraham breaks Shearer's record. That's right. <laughs> And Kane just breaks his ankles and hobbles around in a. One thing that I think you're getting from this podcast, which I guess I, I wasn't unprepared for, but there's a lot of vitriol on here for Harry Kane, which, you know, is deserved or not, whatever. It's how we feel. I feel like one thing that's been really interesting on Spurs Twitter is a lot of that vitriol being directed at Charlie Kane, who's his brother and agent. And while I think Charlie Kane bears a lot of responsibility for how badly this has been handled, and I, I think, it, at least in terms of tactics, I think you can lay a lot at his doorstep because I don't think he knows what he's doing. I, I think that it's wrong to sort of not... Like, I think Harry... Does, whatever shit you want to give for this transfer happening, I think Harry deserves to eat a lot of it because, you know, he is, he is not without agency here, no matter how bad an agent his brother is. No, I mean, the problem is he doesn't have a real agency. That's the problem. <laughs> the problem is is the agency that he has has a motorcycle in the lobby. Like the Bluth brothers uh, are representing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's represented by a bizarro clone version of himself who... His Wii avatar. Owns a, owns a selfie stick? I don't know. It's really... Uh, and a selfie stick and multiple three-piece suits. Good job, buddy. Um, you are living the dream that like 16 year old brian wanted um yeah i don't know i i don't think it's fair to blame charlie kane that much either but he is a convenient target for our ire because he is like the comic book villain in this scenario where he's just like 
you can pin all of the tactical missteps on him because he is the agent and he is the brother. Um, and so whether or not he is actually really good at his job or actually very smart, it is he is an easy target. But yeah, I think I mean he's Kane still not. has the ability. Like, to let no, be no. clear. Like he's definitely yeah. not smart or good at his job. Like that's no, very he's not. Like, I mean he could be. We, he I is he is a him. Mike Judge character. Like he is like a guy who should have been on Silicon Valley. Like it is it is comical no, how bad he is at this voice as Harry Kane though. <laughs> so like. Harry Kane bears responsibility in the same way, like, you look at Jose Mourinho's tenure and say, like, yeah, well, Daniel Levy hired him. So, like, that's what we're dealing with. Like, yes, Charlie Kane's a moron, but Harry Kane's the bigger moron who decided he should put the fate of his career in his failed brother's hands. But the things we've talked about that make us mad, particularly about the way Harry Kane has handled things, is all his brother's fault. He is the guy yes. directing this process. And Harry Kane may want to go, but all the decisions and how he's achieving that is Charlie Kane's. And Charlie Kane is doing the dumbest job I have ever seen anyone do of anything. Well, it's you look at everything that Kane's doing, and it's like interviews in the press alluding to what he wants, you know, like sitting out training, sending signals to other teams. He knows, it's like he sees all the, like, plays in the agent handbook, but has no idea of why and how they're used. So he's just sort of, like, going through the greatest hits and hoping it all works out, not understanding that, like, if you make this really public, Spurs are going to dig their heels in because it, they, they can't afford to look weak with their big star talisman. <laughs> I mean, his masterstroke was at his wedding leaking a story to an entertainment reporter for The Sun. Like, that was his big That's move. charitable. That's the charitable interpretation. The less <laughs> charitable interpretation is he's a moron who can keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, like, right. So the best-case scenario, that's a terrible move. Worst-case scenario, he's just a moron. So here's my, here's my theory about this that I think is like, and I think this is something you can lay at Charlie Kane's doorstep. I think City are only sort of interested in Kane. I think they're willing to spend up to 100 million pounds, and if they can find a way to get it close to that, they're willing to go there. I don't think City are willing to really get serious with what Spurs need, which I think is probably in the 120, 130 pound range that you can, like, with escalators, Spurs can, like, say it's 150 million or 160 million, but it really isn't. Uh, and I think. They gave him some encouragement, and he is like made a not I don't want to say mountain out of a molehill, but he has gotten a little over his skis in terms of like how much backup he has. Because I, this whole thing doesn't I mean, maybe City is just willing to sort of blow it out for Harry Kane, and in a few weeks, this is going to sound foolish, but like negotiating for Grealish first. And it sounds like, as of right now, it sounds like Grealish is about to go to. Um, asked, is about to go to Manchester City from Villa for about 100 million pounds. That's really who returned to training on the day that City yeah, that's paid 100 million pounds for him. But that's a well, weird he way. He already had it done, you know. If, if you want to get Harry Kane in your city, that's a weird way to start this because you're establishing the floor. Because Jack Real is just as good a player or as high profile a player as Harry Kane. So you've got a hundred million floor, and Kane's going to be worth at least twenty some, maybe more million than that. Like Spurs aren't going to sell him for five million pounds more than Jack Grealish. 
whatever that I mean, it also gives is. you the opportunity to say oh we don't have any more money we spent it all on jack Grealish. please take a hundred million and a bunch of our junk that we're trying to sell but nobody in the world has money to buy so buy them and that assumes they're willing to actually give a hundred million in cash and not just like pretend like a box of jesus shirts is worth like 20 million pounds I mean, I'd on like if they want to give us a hundred million and Laporte, I call that good business. But here's the thing: Do you think there's any city player that you would want on Spurs that meets the that we can both afford and will be happy to come here? Because I don't think that exists right now. The happy to come here part is challenging. Yes, but I think that's kind of the difference between how they can do business with Aston Villa and how they can do business with Spurs. Is nobody on Man City will go to Aston Villa. Like, that's just not a possibility. Some of those players, when they look around at, like, what the football marketplace look is and who is spending money and who can afford them, you know, nobody on the continent is paying for Laporte or Bernardo Silva or Raheem Sterling or Mares or Gabriel Jesus. Like, they're expensive players on high wages. Nobody outside the Premier League seems to have that kind of money. When push comes to shove... They may look around and say, well, I could collect a paycheck on the bench at Man City, or I could start for a club like Spurs. Eh, Spurs aren't that bad. And I think that's a reasonable calculus for Man City to make, is that they can get a guy like Laporte to say, there's no one else who's going to buy you. Spurs are going to give you your 150000 a week, which he's on right now. I think he's on like 130 uh, at Man City. We were paying Toby 150, so... Give Laporte that 150. Great. Now we have a left-sided center back to pair with Romero. That's that's a really good piece of business for Spurs. The problem with City um, players is you're assuming that's their salary, and there's not chicanery involved. Right. right. That's the that's the Google version of their salary. So who knows? But I guess I'll say like it is a reasonable thing for Man City to think they can throw into a deal because they do have a lot of good players, and we could use some good players. Uh, and a lot of them would make us better. And I think I think I wouldn't be shocked if that's how the deal ends up shaking out. I would um, be. I, I think I really do think with Spurs, because I just think the players we would want aren't just just aren't gonna come here. And I think it's straight cash and I just don't think City are as invested in it as some people make it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Like that could like now they've got Grealish, maybe they're gonna really dig their get their teeth into this, but I, I think just, they have to be because who else who else are they shopping for? They need a striker. That's a no that's a known thing. They're not rolling with Gabriel Jesus again. They're not moving on uh Holland. They're not moving for Lukaku. They're not They might move for Holland Mbappe. next year. That's what I like you can't see City like getting some sort of stopgap having like rolling with him and Jesus this year and then just like let's go buy Holland next year or something. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. But I, I don't think, think it's it, yeah. It's just I, I don't am, think you're spending a hundred million on Grealish and then calling this year a rebuilding year and next year is going to be the year you have a striker. It's just it's like you said with like you could see Spurs that throwing that package together for Spurs. I'm also you know I could just see them not you know I could just see them muddling through at striker. This I mean especially with Pep Guardiola as your coach like. Don't exactly need a striker. They don't love strikers anyway. Yeah, so it's just it's 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 a weird situation because I, I in some ways I get what Kane's doing because 
he is not getting any younger. He sees that position, and he knows it's going to be hard to get him out of Spurs. But I, and I understand this is how negotiations work. You don't just go with the biggest offer. But all of City's offers so far seem like some – like all the reporting has been like, oh, it's a 100 million pound offer, but they think that it's like, you know, oh, well, we'll give you 60 million in first-right refusal on Sterling. Like that's something we give a shit about. Like I don't know. City just don't seem as serious about it as they did about Grealish. Maybe that'll change. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll change once the ink is dry on the Grealish deal. And then, despite this one, this deal having been rumored to be occurring for longer, um, it obviously wasn't as big a priority for them. Be- maybe because they feel comfortable that if the season starts and they have Jesus in place, that's fine, and then they can work on getting Kane up to speed. I don't know whatever the reasoning is, but... Um, yeah, it's just I, I would weird expect- to, like... You're building a floor in by getting Grealish first. It's like you just ensure that Spurs can ask for an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah, but I I mean... I guess we were going to do that anyway. In, but. in your head, are you saying that Spurs weren't asking for an exorbitant amount of money before? No, but you like, have, I mean, like, all um, your... Like you have an example now, you know? Like, you're giving them stuff right. to work with. <laughs> and so, and so, like you said, there there's a floor now where, you know, okay... But but Daniel Levy was always going to seek you know a hundred million plus or you know a British transfer record or you know a hundred million plus Laporte was what, one of the things that was rumored you know so like it, this was all this was never going to be like if they didn't sign Grealish first they were going to get Kane for sixty million you know like so I I don't think practically it has any effect. So at the end of all this, we've we've talked a lot about our feelings, but like where where do you stand, Ben? Like, do you, do you want Kane to go? Do you do you hope it works out where he stays? Uh, assuming we're getting fair some version of a fair market value, even if it's not exactly what we want, something in excess of a hundred million pounds. Uh, honestly, no. I don't hope like I, I would love for Harry Kane to spend his whole career at Spurs and be you know the best. <laughs> that sounds great, but I don't. Sorry, I, I yeah I I don't think that's necessarily the best interest of Spurs. We have two assets in Harry Kane and Hungman's son who are hundred million kind of players. And we need a hundred million pounds to turn into the future of this team more than we need to muddle through with Kane and son. You know, we saw what them firing at their absolute best last season looked like, and it was not good enough uh, because the rest of the team wasn't there. And, you know, maybe some miracle is going to happen and we're going to just start spending money and we're going to fill out the team around them. And it's going to be, capable of challenging where we want to challenge, but in two, three years, Kane and son are going to be past it. And now we're looking at replacing both of those guys and not having the money to really do it. And, you know, again, maybe we get much better in the transfer market than we have been at spotting talent and getting kind of pre peak guys who can blow up and turn into those kinds of players. But I'm not super confident in our ability to manage that transition um, effectively. So I really do feel like we need to maximize a return on one of those two players. And 
Sun seems to love it here. He signed the new contract, and for whatever reason, racism, what have you, Sonny does not seem to be commanding the kind of transfer interest that he should be. So we're left with Harry Kane. And Harry Kane is a shithead who wants to leave, who I no longer love or care about. <laughs> and he comes with that English homegrown England captain premium that means for a guy who's like 28 years old is still going to command the kind of fee that, frankly, nobody should be paying because given the injuries he's already had, there's no guarantee that he's going to continue being good for two, three, four years that, that you're spending a hundred million pounds on. Um, and, you know, worst case scenario, we, we keep Kane and he reverts back to what he was or gets hurt again. And like, that's kind of it. And we've just sort of mortgaged our whole future banking on the sentimentality of this homegrown Alan Shearer figure. Um, you know, I think the cynical business-like part of my brain says we have to do it. And Harry Kane has done a phenomenal job of taking the emotional part of my brain and saying, I want to do it because fuck you. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I think the only part that I disagree on is I, I just very much doubt our ability to take that bundle of money and turn it into actual good players like our, our targeting has been better this summer but like you know the bail seven still kind of like sticks in your memory and so you know to me you have to have a lot of trust in levy and paratici to do what you said to identify pre-peak players that may blow up and that will ultimately result in this being overall a better team. And I don't yet have that faith. And so I would probably just rather muddle through with Harry Kane until his legs fall off. Um, just cause I think long run, we're probably a better team if we have one of the best strikers in the world, as opposed to, something that's not that even if even if not that was you know like best case scenario and was you know tammy abraham or alexander uh isaac or isak or however we're pronouncing it um you know even if that was what we got to replace kane it's still not harry kane so you say long term i don't what is long term to you because harry kane's got a shelf life of tops like, like five more years right so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So here, well, I think short term, medium term, we might be better off with Harry Kane if Harry Kane continues to be like the best striker in the world. But like, what happens in five years? And well, whoever Harry we Kane buy with Kane, whoever we buy with Kane money is probably we're probably moving on in that time anyway. So I mean, there's the there's the chance. Right, but it's again, it's a constant reinvestment. Yeah, of you're right. We get a money, we buy somebody, we sell them for more money. We get we have an influx of money to keep you know it's, the team. If Harry Kane goes for nothing in five years, and I get that. Nothing, like, what do we do? I totally understand then, that, and I, un, I I get the rationale. And there's also the emotional part of it where I'm like, all right, you don't want to be here, fuck you, like get out of here. But at the same time, it's like there's two things going on here. It's like. It is hard for me to let go of the romanticism of it. The guy who came up in our academy, became the best striker in the world. 
you know, made us one of the best teams in England for at least a little while. Like having that guy here for his whole career, or at least like the best years of it is, you know, that's something I want on some level. I want him to love us again. And maybe that's never going to happen, but you know, I want that to happen. And on the other hand, I've got this just like, you know, like I understand we need to spin it around and it gives us a better chance to win things. And I, I understand that, but there is that part of my brain that's like, you know, how much fun is it to be Dortmund really? I mean, they're good all the time and they have fun players. Now they got Holland, so I don't want to like dismiss that. But like, you know, they're fucking second place all the time. So they're good at player trading. Like, what's that one them in the life? I mean, since Klopp left, like one League Cup, two League Cups. You know, it's like, I, I get that they've had fun players. It's been good to watch. It's not just about winning trophies because, you know, what, Spurs wouldn't have been any fun since ever if that was the case. But it's just sort of like, I understand rationally the best way that to probably build a team is to cash in on Harry Kane right now and go buy like an Isaac or someone. And that way you could spin him off in a couple of years and keep, you know, sort of keep the trains running. But it's just, I don't know. I think we have something really special with Kane. Kane clearly doesn't appreciate that as much as we do. It's, it's hard for me to separate what I think is probably the right business move for Spurs from like the thing that I find really appealing about being a sports fan. And I, you know, I might be trying to force something to be true and real that isn't or won't be for much longer, but it's something that I think is very tenuous and very hard to get, and I'm reluctant to give it up, even if Harry Kane is, isn't. So I think that the, there's two things I, I want to respond to that. One is Lester sold Conte and Mares and Danny Drinkwater uh, after, in, in successive seasons after winning the title. And after winning the title, after winning the title is a big part of that. Right. Well, they won the title, but you know, we tried and we kept doubling down on that squad that missed the title those two seasons and have gotten worse for it. Um, Whereas Lester obviously haven't won the title again, but but they have reinvested in the team. They didn't sell Vardy. They didn't sell Vardy, which would be my. They didn't sell Vardy. They, yeah, they didn't sell Vardy, but they sold other people who yeah. demanded transfer fees. If somebody wants to pay a lot of money for somebody else, I'm open to it. Nobody seems to want to give us money for anybody else. Like we sold Kyle Walker, I guess. And that was the closest we got to it. Uh, the second part of that is, you know, you have talked a lot about this idea of Harry Kane being a, a toddy or a Gerard, this, this one club man yeah, figure yeah. that, that, makes you feel a way and that you are really sentimental towards. Um, we've also had a lot of conversations in the writer's room about, about Harry Kane, the man, Harry Kane, the player. And a lot of people have expressed, you know, a lack of particular affection for Harry Kane as a person, as a player, you know, he's not that interesting a dude. He's kind of a dummy. He doesn't have interesting sound bites. He doesn't have an interesting personal life. He's just sort of like, you know, a, a football robot. Yeah, a football terrier who goes out there and plays football, and it's very sweet. He's not um, even as interesting as Tom Brady. Right. Well, and that that might be a good thing, though. So. Well, like that's like that's right. That's his aspirational sports persona is Tom Brady. Um, but I think all of us on this podcast loved Eric Lamella more than we've loved yes. Harry King. We probably love Hunmin Son, Hungmin Son more than we love Harry Kane. Um, 
You know, I, I loved Erickson more than Harry Kane. I loved Dembele more than Harry Kane. Like, I, I really cherish Harry Kane, and I appreciate having Harry Kane. I appreciate conceptually having this homegrown player. And, you know, maybe the folks from North London have a different connection to him, and it is different. But for me, Harry Kane is not the guy whose name I want in the back of my jersey every year. Harry Kane is a talisman for this club, but is not a, a person that I am particularly enamored of. And so when you talk about this kind of concept of this one club man and what that means to you, I wonder if, are you attached to this concept more than you're attached to Harry Kane? It's a little bit of both. I mean, I will say in my defense, I think there is an element of people talking themselves into an opinion about Harry Kane now that things are going the way they're going, which I understand and I get. And I think it also happened a little bit when it looked like he was falling off a couple of years ago that like, maybe he's not the like best striker in the world anymore. Like he had been and like, he might be again. Um, so I think there's a little bit of like emotional protection going on there when we have those conversations, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I think it's just sort of like all things to all people where it's, there is something like I love a lot more about an Eric Lamella or a, even Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen was probably my favorite player to watch of those Pete Pochettino teams. And I've, I think I've said that before on this podcast. But there is something, I think, really unique about what Harry Kane brings to the club. And that might be conceptual. That might just be what he sort of represents to the fans, the way he interacts with the fans, the way the fans interact with him is frankly probably more important than any of the other components of that equation. And, you know, some of that is tied up with, like, getting to watch an elite player who is one of the best players in the world, who is also this, you know, I mean, that's what makes him, a, you know, when I talk about a toddy figure, a Gerard, like, that's what I mean. And I think conceptually, that is a great thing to watch and be able to experience, even if it's just experiencing sort of the fans relationship with him. And I think, you know, that's something I think we've all, I, I certainly have, like, sort of deep down suspected that he doesn't really care about that, or at least doesn't care enough about that. And that's disappointing because I think even though he might not be, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I own way too many Spurs jerseys, but I think the only guy I have a jersey with a name on the back is, I think, Eric Lamell. I think I have a LaCelso one, too. But, yeah, you, you know, you make that hipster choice or whatever, but there is... I think something special about even if maybe you don't, you just said, how do they feel in North London? Being able to watch that relationship between him and the fans is cool. And it's, it's really unique. And I think that's what I mean by that. Cause it is different than Bale. It is different than, you know, I'm sure, you know, Brian would say it's different than what Spurs had fans had with Robbie Keane back in the day. You know, we've had great or really exciting players before. And I think you could, I think at least until lately, there was a palpable difference in the way that Spurs fans interacted with Harry Kane. And I think Kane's a bit of a bystander in a lot of that, but it's still there. It was still real. And even though there's maybe a lack of agency on his part in that, it, it was still fun to watch and it was fun to experience, even if it was secondhand. And, you know, I think that is said. It's something I, you know, like, I don't know if it's my appreciation of him as a player or my appreciation of the phenomenon, but I do think it's different than anything else we've got on the squad. And I think it's different than most anything most fan bases have with it. You know, I, there are great team. Like, is there anyone on Chelsea that their fans have that relationship? I mean, they used to with Lampard, um, who doesn't quite fit, you know. Mason Mount? <laughs> okay, maybe. But, you know, 
Like, there's great teams in the world that don't have that. You would look at a, at a team like, um, I mean, I know this isn't quite the argument you were making. In fact, it's kind of backwards. Well, you look at, like, Raul at Madrid back in the day. I mean, that was a different relationship. I mean, he was never the best player on that team, so it's a little different. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it's a fun thing to watch. It's a unique thing to experience, and I really appreciate it. Even if Kane isn't necessarily my favorite player um, or the guy that I feel most passionately about. Um, yeah, I think the the phrase "he's one of our own" it seems to put a lot more emphasis on our own than who that he happens to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot a lot of stock is put into that we Tottenham Hotspur created this thing. Yes, that is very good, and we have some kind of ownership stake in the existence of one of the yeah, best there's, strikers. There's the also the, that is ours. There's also the impression that he's one of us, but he's you know. Quickly putting, you know, I mean, he clearly isn't. So. Right. But it's like, he could be anybody in that equation. Yeah. It's kind of how it, it's starting to feel. It's the thing that we cared about was having someone that felt Spurs be that good. Yep. Not that Harry Kane happened to be a youth yeah. player for Tottenham Hotspur. And I think he is a bit, in some ways, he's a bit incidental. It was, you know, like I said, it's a phenomenon, and it's fun to experience and be a part of, even if it's not entirely of his own creation. Yeah. And I think, you know, personally, you mentioned his injury years, and I think that definitely put up some walls for me, and that that phenomenon of feeling like we had the best striker in the world that kind of evaporated a bit for those two years that he was injury ridden and not putting up the kind of goal scoring numbers that we've been used to. And the fact that he finally returned to form and really exceeded form last season was under such a Jose Mourinho cloud that I, I never, it didn't like reconnect all of those, those wires that had been kind of severed. Um, I think it's definitely putting a dampening on, on my, on my sentiment for that whole, whole concept especially like we talked about last week with players like Lamella and son who are not from North London, did not come from Spurs Academy, but feel as much our own Mm -hmm. as anybody. And Uh, and there is an element of which, you know, because again, I think you were talking about sort of like passion about players or like how much you, you know, really enjoy them. Like there Kane became, because the guy was so regular and he's not the kind of guy who like blows through the, I mean, we've talked about this before. He doesn't blow through a defense. He doesn't like, hit thunder bastards from 50 yards out or whatever. I mean, I guess he does occasionally, but not that's not really his game. So part of what was appealing about Kane was the consistency. So he's not the guy that you're going to be like, oh my God, did you see Eric Lamella do that thing with the Rabona or whatever? But like, he was just there banging in goals, being reliable, being like Mr. Reliable for Tottenham. And that's part of what makes this hurt so much is like, not only does he want to leave, but it's like, you can't rely on Harry Kane anymore. He's not Mr. Reliable. He's not, you know, that, that, bit of the landscape that you can always count on at Spurs he's you know he's just another dumb glory hunting jock which is I think what I've reacted so negatively to about all this Brian I feel like you have very different emotional relationships with players than we do sometimes what's what's your feeling here I mean I have a Harry Kane jersey um I also have a Gareth Bale one so I don't know what that says about my it's a Gareth Bale 9 jersey so that it probably says GB a lot nine. about it. it's the it's the green GB9 jersey yeah uh, no I don't know um I think I'm probably I, I'm at the same point as you guys are on this one like um I don't think that I was 
any more connected to like Erickson or Dembele than I am to Kane, but certainly some of the players that you mentioned, like, you know, um, Lamella, Son, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with accessibility, with personality. Um, you know, Kane is not somebody that's, you know, utilized by the club for anything more than Harry Kane is really good at football. Like, there aren't Q&A sessions with him and Harry Winks where they're asking each other whether they believe aliens exist. Like, Gareth Bale was doing that with Joe Roden, and that was hilarious. And, but, you know, Harry Kane is, like you said, a, a footballing robot. And, you know, his personality seems to be solely focused on playing football and being good at football and not talking or being interesting or doing things with the platform that he has in a way that, like, players like Marcus Rashford or Jordan Henderson uh, do. So, um while I feel emotionally connected to him in a way that he has taken the team that I love from being just kind of eh, to being, you know, actually good and where people, you know, if I'm walking on the street and I have on a Tottenham Hotspur t-shirt or a hat, someone will be like, Oh, Tottenham, yeah, Harry Kane's really good. And like, I, I like that. Now my team doesn't feel like a hipster team that just like, people like because they didn't want to like Chelsea or Arsenal. And I like that Harry Kane has helped do that. Um, but for him, like as a person, I guess I don't harbor any great affection for him. He's yeah. fine. I mean, and he's I good think... at football and that's great. Sometimes being good at something is a good enough reason to like somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's absolutely true. And there's, there's an element, I know I've thought this occasionally over the years, but I really thought it this summer when we all kind of knew where this transfer saga was, or that we all kind of knew this transfer saga in some form or fashion was coming down the pipe. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, all Spurs fans kind of wish Harry was a little bit more like he is with England with Spurs. Like that's, you, you feel the buy-in there in a way I don't feel like you always get at Spurs. Like in terms of him being like a leader, like, I mean, you know, he's not, Still not Rashford or anything, but, you know, I, you feel it there. And it's national team. I don't blame him for being more invested in his national team than, you know, his club team. That's not, I mean, but I think we wish that it was, you know. I mean, we pay him money. He should be more invested. <laughs> but it was like with, with Gerard, I always got the feeling that he, like, you know, he cared more about Liverpool than England. Now, maybe that's not true, but it felt that way. I think you've said... Steven Gerrard's name six times on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, so that's I the have. first I just, time you got it right. Yeah, well, you know, we all we all try. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. It sucks. I, I wish that it would not suck, but it does. And you know, I think fundamentally this transfer is not going to happen because Kane and his brother are idiots, and we're all just going to like we're going to be here angry with not with no money, and that's where it's going to end up. Man, I think we really just let Charlie off the hook. We we got there for a little bit, but God, that guy is just such a. What's dick. the? We've all seen the photos of his office. So there's many. Actually, Ben, now I want to ask you this in particular because you have a brother, Ben. 
Uh, I don't think you have a brother, Brian. So, okay. Harry, Charlie Kane is obviously like a failed brother whose only client is his brother who like, so he's just, you know, Harry's just giving him money. I hope Ben's brother doesn't listen to this. He no, no, no. I don't so mean to imply it. Ben's brother's a failed brother. That's not what I'm going with this. But if like. No, my brother's the Harry. I'm the Charlie. That's, would it be weird for you to be like sitting in an office with like a wall full of photographs of your brother and his accomplishment? Like. I was like looking at the pictures of his office and there's a lot of dumb things like his weird desk with the oil spill, his awful clothing choices, his giant sort of South Park head, the motorcycle that's in the lobby. First of all, why does he have an office in general? Like he's got one client, but why is he wearing a suit? Who's he dressing up for? Harry, his brother, he's dressing up for his brother. But like the thing that like just stuck with me was like, he has a wall full of pictures behind his desk of his brother's accomplishments and that feels like, I don't know, that would drive me slightly insane if I was him. But I don't know how you feel, Ben, because I don't have a brother. So, I mean, so my brother went to school for for acting. And my my dream was I was going to manage his career and just reach <laughs> off of that. So, like, that was, I, I, I fully understand where Charlie Kane is coming from. Do you have, like, a waistcoat picked out for when he gets his first big TV role? Was that, did you yeah, have that? Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> But no, I totally understand the, the desire to leech off a more talented sibling if that's available to you. Like, my brother obviously is not a famous actor and turned out to be the Charlie, but, you know, <laughs> might not have been. And I was fully prepared to wear that, that waistcoat and carry that selfie stick if that's what I needed to do. I get it. But, like, you know, ha- have some self-respect about the process. Like, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't like, even have his own degrees hanging on the wall. like Exactly. He's got, he's got a photo from the front page of the sun. And it's just like, where's your, where's your, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have a degree from like a real school. Maybe he just like, I don't know. Frame your GCSEs and put them up there, man. I, what, like, don't you have a accomplishment that you are proud of? It's, also, he has, he's allegedly a huge Arsenal fan. So. He has no other clients. He is a huge Arsenal fan. Yeah, he he's is. not alleged. But he has no other clients. That's like, isn't that weird that, like, Harry hasn't gotten, like, I don't know, McGuire or someone to represent? Probably because they're not as stupid as Harry, but, like, it's just, oh, my God. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Did you guys ever watch Entourage? He's, yeah. like, a less accomplished Johnny drama, and that's that, that by itself is, like, embarrassing. But he's like all all of Johnny Turtle and E rolled into one person, pretending to be Jeremy Piven. (laughs) Right, exactly. Now, Brian, as someone who has like studied to be a sports agent at some point in his life, and like you know, someone who lives in Ben has also studied to be a sports agent. More (laughs) importantly, more importantly, as someone who lives in Florida, how 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 certain are you that everything Charlie Kane learned about being a sports agent he learned from watching Ballers? Uh, very certain. Okay, maybe, uh, or, and, or Entourage, to be, to be fair to Charles. Yeah, I mean, just basically, you know, anything not, I, I mean, he has no legal education, certainly. Um, because if he did, that, that would be on his wall. Um, even if he'd gone to whatever the UK's shittiest law school is, um, you know, it, that would be there. You'd just hang it up and you'd be like, all right, whatever. Yeah, um. I don't know. I I really want like an American sports agency to sign Harry Kane and then like revolutionize how 
sports agency has done in Europe and in England specifically and be like, no, actually, all we're going to do is take 5% of your salary. Uh, we don't care if you move or not. Do whatever you want. It's it's really telling how I feel like every article you read in a national paper about this transfer saga, there's some paragraph about it's kind of weird that his brother is his agent and they haven't brought in anyone else because he's not able to do the agent things that real agents are able to do. Would you rather have Charlie Kane or Veronique Rabio as your manager? Veronique, come on. Like, she'll get it done. It might not be pretty, but she'll make it happen. Right. She secured a transfer for Rabio. Like, he is no longer there. He is at Juventus. Like, that happened. I mean, he Charlie might never Kane play for France like, again, though. But at least so. she'll Charlie, assault someone. Like, Charlie's just going to have a big head. <laughs> you Charlie know. is like Charlie Kelly on Always Sunny, like, stepping into the lawyer's office talking about bird law. Like, that is the <laughs> level of professionalism you're getting here. It is not... It's not good. And, like, you know, many people have written about this, but, like, the value of having an agent who has other business relationships, who has other clients is really important in negotiating these deals and understanding not just negotiating tactics, but like having, having leverage and having other things you can offer, you know, in the, in these deals, Charlie Kane is like, you want to sit on my motorbike? Like that's all he's got. That's it. There's nothing that he offers. There's no value. Like if you have a brother and you're very rich, just give them some money because he's your brother. Don't jeopardize your professional future and hire him. To manage it for you, like you just give your brother two million dollars, like that's that's a thing you're allowed to do. I think it's even more fundamental than that because if Kane had a real agent, he could have gone to his agent and be like, "Hey, like, is there any chance of me going to Manchester City?" And a real agent, either from their experience or their contacts, would go be like, "Daniel Levy's going to play hardball. City's not willing to spend what it takes to get you. Don't." Like, like wait a year or, you know, like, or we got to look at this other team or I can make some kind con- like, like you said, they can do things that Charlie Kane's just like, oh, well, I saw in this one episode of Ballers that like the rock, rock bottom, the owner who refused to sell a guy through a table. So what if I do that? It's, you know, for, first of all, he can't lift Daniel Levy up and put him through a table. But second of all, it's just. He doesn't know what he's fucking doing. He's he really is truly awful. I hope. Do you think that motorbike works? No, I'm convinced it's for display purposes only. Okay. Although I bet he has told Harry that it works. Do you think he has ever sat on it while he hits on a woman? Because I think definitely the answer. To that yeah, is like just kind of leaned against it. Yeah. And uh, in his little waistcoat, and just like you know, stroked his chin and been like, "Yeah, well, his chin. I could grow a beard." I was talking to Florentino Perez. Yeah, I could grow a beard. I just choose not to. Have you met my yeah. brother? I've got a bunch of pictures of him over here. <laughs> yeah, I just what an embarrassment. If you're an actual sports agent in that does football, how are you not calling Harry Kane every couple weeks and being like, "Do you want?" You want to hire me now? Do you think that's the most likely scenario where, like, by even if it's by proxy, Kane, like, just next year Kane has a real agent? <laughs> yeah, like, why wouldn't he call Bale's agent? What's his name? Jonathan Barnett or whatever. Or, you know, George Mendez or, you know, literally any other agent. <laughs> literally just walk into Spurs' locker room, like, 
pick it, close your eyes, turn around, point at a guy, and be like, can I have your agent's phone number? Yeah. I mean, like, you know Mendez has been around Tottenham Hotspur for the last year and change. Like, he's there, probably, dealing with Jose, dealing with his now ownership of our club. Uh, It's not like Harry hasn't had an opportunity to have a conversation with these people. Ugh. He's so stupid. Honestly, I don't want the transfer to happen because I don't want him to. I don't want Charlie Kane to feel vindicated in any way. It's like purely that's it. That's why. That's actually I've arrived at this. This is that is why I want Kane to stay at Spurs for the rest of his career. I don't want Charlie Kane to get the satisfaction. I want it to happen. I want him to make like half the money he should be making at Man City because Charlie botched it so bad. And then he just walks around the locker room trying to ask everybody their salary, and they're like, "Why? This is weird. Don't do this." And, you know, no, very good. He's getting salary transparency at your workplace is very important, Brian. Everybody should know how much everybody makes. Workers' rights. That's a workers' rights issue. <laughs> I, I'm not telling people what I make. That's ridiculous. I know that's because you're management. Uh, that's true. I am <laughs> in <laughs> Florida. Good point. You are capital. You are the problem. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of I which, am. Brian, you need to find Harry Kane and like I don't know, give him COVID or something. I mean, there's plenty of it down here in Florida. I could just <laughs> scoop it up in my hands and deliver it to him. Have you seen Harry? You, are, are you near Tom Brady? I don't know where Harry is in Florida right no, now. No, Tom Brady would be in Tampa, which is another part of the state. Uh, okay. Arguably a worse part of the state, honestly. Uh, it's not arguable. Tampa is the worst part of the state. Really? Tampa's the, the worst part of Florida? That's, uh, that's a... I, Tampa's terrible. Tampa's Jacksonville's yeah, right terrible. there, like... Yeah, Florida is so terrible. Jacksonville's terrible. Orlando's terrible. Panhandle's terrible. There's a lot of terrible places. Tampa's Tampa's terrible. I think the one part that most people agree is fine is the Keys, but even it is terrible in its own way. But, you know. We'll always have Miami, which is also terrible in its own way. (laughs) Yeah. In the most extravagant of ways, honestly. Well, I honestly can't feel, figure out a better way for a podcast that involved a lengthy discussion of Charlie Kane and then a conversation about how terrible Florida is. So I think it's time to wrap it up there, guys. Uh, ben, where can people find you online if you have any long-lost brothers who need legal representation? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs. And if any of you are budding actors who need someone to manage your professional career, I have uh, extensively studied the subject. <laughs> Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? You can if find if me they need Twitter. representation, you, you are actually a qualified qualified lawyer who might be able to provide them with legal representation. Uh, I mean, I guess if they if they have a, an insurance issue, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, you find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock, and make sure you follow in the next couple weeks because I will have a big announcement about my new Manchester City podcast. <laughs> uh, so look, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and don't forget to also follow his Manchester City podcast. That's at City with a Y on Twitter.com. I'm going to go see if that's taken. You should absolutely take that because you'll need it for your podcast. Um, right, absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. I don't have any good representation jokes here. Sorry. Um, also, don't forget to follow our podcast, as I said earlier, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. For Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and of course for Charlie Kane, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.